first week of NFL action is in the books. Week one, just about done. We're actually, we got two more Monday night games here, but I'm going to call it done just since the vast majority have been played at this point. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here after a pretty jam-packed weekend of football. Today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down game film in order to pull stats, searchable clips, tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon. And you get one free breakdown when you sign up today. Mark, first weekend is in the books, man. It's been uh, been pretty exciting to kind of see, uh, see you know, kind of the, the fruits of an offseason of labor kind of coming forward for a lot of these teams. Yeah, it really has been an exciting first weekend of games. I mean, it opened on that Thursday night game between, you know, Super Bowl rematch, and that came down to basically the final play. Um, we had some early games on Sunday that were nice, including the one that we're going to talk about, which was a, a matchup between teams that I think a lot of people are really interested to see this year. And one of the teams was actually a team that you were really high on in an episode that we did this summer. You were really high on this team, thought they might be a surprise, maybe a Super Bowl contender. And so let's talk about that game between Green Bay and Jacksonville. Yeah, we're, we're going to dig into this Green Bay-Jacksonville uh, game here. And pretty much, uh, for those of you who didn't watch, this uh, game ended up being a four-point game, 27-23 victory by Green Bay at Jacksonville in you know pretty close to 100-degree heat, you know, very humid day down there. Uh, but really, you know, kind of an interesting game to watch between an up-and-coming team that, you know, as you said, I've been very high on Jacksonville, talking about the talent that they've assembled. Obviously, everyone knows about the offense, but... You know, the offseason here, really trying to build some young talent on defense. And then you have a Green Bay team that had some questions last year about, you know, the offensive play calling. You have Jordy Nelson back here. And so I guess here, here's where I want to start, Mark, is when, when you look at this Green Bay offense and what they showed here, did they show any real deviations from last year, any new wrinkles, anything, you know, anything that they were able to do with Nelson back in the fold? Or was it more of the same that you saw last year? I think, to be honest, it's a mixed bag. Um, now, we don't have the coaches tape available yet, so I'm going to dive back into it to see if um, they were run some different route concepts. But you remember back to last season, we even had Doug Ferrara this show last season to talk about some of the offensive pass concepts that they were using, and there wasn't a ton of variety to them. And at least watching this game and going through and charting the plays, what you could see on replays and the, the broadcast tape, it still seemed like there was a lot of basic stuff to their offense. I mean, you've seen a lot of curl flat concepts, slant flat concepts, you know, things that you see at the collegiate level that they're running at Green Bay. Now, on one, the other side of the ledger, though, they did have a couple of sequences where they went sort of an up-tempo 11 personnel look, and they still had Randall Cobb in the game, and they would use him as a running back. They had him lined up as a D-back in the pistol with Rodgers right in front of him. They had him as an I-back with Rodgers under center. They had him standing next to Rodgers when Rodgers was in the shotgun. And they would go up-tempo. They would even hand the ball off the cause. They tossed it to him on a couple of plays. Um, and they loved where they could have him matched up against a linebacker, run into the flat, get him matched up one-on-one against a you know less athletic player and a linebacker, and get him the ball in space that way. So they did some creative things with call, I think. But I'm curious to see when I get a chance to look at the All-22 if they had some more 
spice to their offensive passing game. I mean, that was my take. What was yours? Well, I, I thought, you know, it was very similar in terms of the passing game. One thing that I found interesting was that aside from really one long run from Eddie Lacy, not really able to get anything going against what I thought was somewhat of a lackluster and inconsistent Jaguars front seven. You know, this was, uh, you know, a game where I thought maybe Green Bay might be able to exploit Jacksonville up front just because I do think that, you know, the amount of talent there doesn't quite match what they've tried to be able to build on the back end. But you look at Eddie Lacy and you strip out the one long 28-yard run, and pretty much he had 13 carries for, I think it was 33 yards, and then the rest of the team only 12 carries for another 32 yards. So not, you know, not really a whole lot of yardage being generated there. And you know, part of it, I mean, obviously you come back to the Josh Sitton decision and try to say that five times fast, first of all. But you, yeah. come, you, you come back to that move and you say, okay, is that something that is going to impact their ability to run the football this year? So that's something that I was looking at. And then, you know, I think, again, on offense, and this is something where you said, you know, again, we're going to have to dig in a little bit more. But one thing that continues to stand out to me, Devontae Adams, uh, yeah. really just a tease as a player because has the ability, it seems, in some cases to, to get open, but just doesn't run the most precise routes and doesn't necessarily have the hands to be able to pull in the ball. And this has been a problem for him for his first two years. You look at... Uh, you know, completion percentage to Adams over his first two years. It's not where you want it to be. And in this game here, targeted eight times, only three catches, you know, just uh, or seven times rather, only three catches, just has not been able to turn into that dependable option there. And, you know, I, I just wonder how much more rope you're going to have. Obviously, you can't do a ton right now, but has just never lived up to what he's able to do, I think. Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, though, he did have that nice catch before the half of that touchdown. And that was a yep. um, sort of rocket from Rodgers. Yep. You know, that was showed some good hand strength there to pull that in. But, I mean, for the most part, you're right. Um, you know, again, that's a situation where we can go back on the coaching tape and see, you know, what the deeper issue is. Is it an issue where, and this was, again, getting back to what we saw last year from this team, guys weren't getting separation. If Adams isn't getting consistent separation on his routes, whether he's rounding them off or he's just not getting enough of a distance to him and the defense back because it's a skill set issue and he doesn't have the tools to get separation, then, you know, any sort of throw is going to become a contested throw that he has to try to win at the catch point. And, you know, these defenders are playing the game too. I mean, if they're going to be draped on your back in coverage, it's going to be that much tougher to catch the ball and it's going to be that much tougher for Rodgers to put it where it's in a catchable place. So he did have that one nice catch. Oh, again, interesting to see looking at the All-22, you know, on the place where he's not targeted, is he just not getting separation? Is he is he just consistent lack of separation across the board, which is the issue here? What'd you uh what'd you think in terms of what you saw from Jordy Nelson in his first game back here? Obviously I know we haven't looked at the coaches tape yet, but just going off what you saw on the broadcast, um, you know, I, 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 I saw a couple times and this is something that again I we're gonna have to dig in more on. Uh, but there were a couple times I think they were uh I'm trying to think if they were Digger, if they were sh- short outs on the sideline, but you know you saw a couple things where you know maybe just the route wa- running wasn't quite synced up with what Rodgers was doing, but overall looked to be you know still have the quickness and burst that he had previously. Yeah, I mean the thing that I'm curious to watch, and you know there's a back shoulder throw I think in the fourth quarter to Ro- to Nelson. Yeah, um, yeah, he couldn't quite get back to. And, you know, it's one of those things where you want to be able to stop on a dime and get yourself turned around and get the ball. They couldn't quite do it in time. And that, 
you know, might have been in a situation where it was just a coverage, preventing him from doing that. But you want to see if he's got that confidence in that knee to be able to stop and change direction quickly. And, you know, maybe it's not quite there yet, but the other athletic movements, getting off the line, explosion, beating the press at the line, you know, with a stutter step or something, then trying to get vertical quickly, that stuff was there. And it just looks like that change of direction, which is probably the last thing you're truly confident in when you have a knee injury like that. Maybe it's not there yet, but it's early. And I think, you know, Packers fans, one, you guys got to win on the road. Obviously, you know, it's not a divisional game or even an in-conference game to get some AFC opponent, but it's still a road win. And, Pretty tough conditions in the heat and humidity the way it was down in Jacksonville. And you got something out of Nelson. Um, you know, he looks to be pretty close to back. So, you know, I think Packers fans should be somewhat, you know, not too down about a win. I mean, a win's a win. Get out on the road. There are probably some issues that need to be worked out. But you get on the plane, get back to work, you know, tomorrow morning. Quick reminder to everyone that today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, helping coaches to win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. Crossover breaks down and stats out your game film, giving you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great information that you can access from any PC or mobile device. Your formations and your personnel packages can be labeled with your own terminology, and you can create custom highlight reels and exchange video with anyone on any platform, including all your own players and coaches. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon to get one free breakdown when you sign up today. Let's turn now to the other side of the ball, taking a look at this Jaguars offense. And obviously, you talk about the weapons they have there. You've got Alan Hearns, Alan Robinson, Julius Thomas, Marquise Lee, TJ Yeldon. I mean, you've, you've got some offensive weapons here. This team still appears to be, and this is both on offense and defense, they still don't seem to quite mentally be at the level they need to be in terms of the focus and the execution. And also, I think... You know, just talking about Bortles, and, and we can dig into this more. Bortles seems to still, he, he clearly can make any throw in the game, but as you and I were talking during this game, occasionally locks onto Robinson, and by occasionally tends to lock onto Robinson quite a bit early in plays, and doesn't necessarily make his progression reads every time as he should. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you don't want to fall into the typical overreaction Monday's trap and say, oh my God, this team might be, you know, still a year away. So we want to, don't want to go that far. But, yeah, you and I were talking during this game about Bortles looking at Robinson. I mean, there was a sequence, uh, I think it was in the third quarter, I think. Um, yeah, he walked on to Robinson on a vertical route in the red zone. There was double movement Robinson made. He was open and Bortles missed him, but he never looked off of him. I used to look at him the whole way. And then on the third down, the next play, locked on to him early, trying to back shoulder the throw. Um, doesn't get completed, so they have to kick a field goal. And that was when it was 24-17. Um, you know, and then that final drive, I mean, there was it's, you know, a vertical route to Robinson. Um, was fairly incomplete. That was against the Blitz when they went. Actually, Bortles did a pretty good job there. If you heard it on the broadcast, they called out Sunday, which is, I think it was a state protection call for them. But they went max attack. Um, but he just missed Robinson on a vertical route. Had another throw to him. Uh, two back-to-back throws to him on that drive, too. One where Robinson caught it, fumbled, managed to get it back in midair, which is amazing. Still held on to the ball. But, yeah, it's, you know, they're going to be good, I think. It's just, you know, opening game type stuff. 
Portos does need to get spread the ball out a little bit more, but they do have weapons. They've done some nice things, and I actually learned something this game. I don't need to do this, but they actually led the league last year in plays of 20 yards or more on first down. I didn't you know, know that. Didn't know yeah, that. They had, they had 41 plays last year that went for you know, 30. Yeah. Yeah. 41 plays last year on first down that went for 20 yards or more. Second was Arizona with 31. What, what do you make of, and this was towards the end of the game, but even in the first half you saw it a little bit, Jacksonville had trouble getting plays in on offense, even coming out of timeouts occasionally. What, what, yeah. what do you make of that? Is, is that a communication issue? Is that That's an execution? That's a communication issue, and I legitimately don't know how they're calling the plays. If they're getting called from upstairs or from the sideline, I don't know who's making the play calls and from where, but they even had a, you know, they were out of timeouts early, but on a drive where they had to kick a field goal, you know, it was their second to last drive. It was a 36 play in the red zone, and they had another delay penalty. And they had to take the penalty because they were out of timeouts. I mean, that's a situation where, look, if you're out of timeouts, you've got to know, you know, we can get back into clock management because Green Bay didn't do a great job on their last drive either. But, you know, you've got to know that situation. You've got to know when you're out of timeouts, and then you can't waste time. You've got to get to the line of scrimmage, get the play in, get everybody in the line of scrimmage so you still have time to adjust if necessary. This is a situation where they didn't do those first two steps, and when the Bortles was trying to make adjustments, you weren't out of time. What else stood out to you in terms of the uh, the overall Jacksonville offense? Anything just you know, kind of on the first watch that was uh, really notable to you? Well, I mean, I think Bortles made some good reads. I mean, we were just talking about the you know, locking onto Robinson, but you did have a team route to him, but Robinson is in the slot in the red zone. When uh, Green Bay showed covered two pre-snap, but then rotated it to cover one or cover three, a single high look right at the snap. They do a good job of rotating it, but Bortles reads it right. He's got a seam route from a slot receiver, which is what you want against a single high coverage. Ha-ha Dix, ha-ha Clinton Dix, he's made a great play on it. Um, they did some other stuff, which was nice. They had a play in the first half, and they got out Mercedes Lewis on a corner route. They showed a little you know, inside run and a jet sweep behind it. Got the defense to bite on those, and then uh, Boros throws the corner out to lose, which is a big game. So, you know, I like some of the stuff that they did. You know, they were playing a tough team. You know, came down to the final play. So, you know, as we were just saying about the Green Bay Packers fans and how they should have been out about, you know, obviously a win, you know, don't be down at all. But there's some, you know, things to clear up for them. Jacksonville fans shouldn't be down about this one at all. I mean, that was a very good team. You know, they took it down to the final play, and, you know, there are some mistakes that they need to get cleaned up as well and come out of this better, better team. What do you think about Bortles running a little read option a couple times this game? I mean, he did a lot of that when he was at UCF. Um, he's an athletic kid, and, you know, that's a component that more and more teams are going to have. More and more quarterbacks have that club in their bag, and it's just you can do it a couple of times, and if all it does is get that backside defensive end, you know, that rush defensive end, you know, having to be wary of that, it slows him down a bit. So then it's when it's, you know, a passing situation, he has that in the back of his mind. Maybe he's just a fraction of a second slower getting, you know, getting his pass rush started. You know, and sometimes that's all it takes to make a difference between a sack and a big game in passing game. Yep, yep. Now, one thing that obviously we're going to have to take a little bit more time to dig into is uh, the play of Jalen Ramsey, the highly touted rookie uh, yeah. this year. Obviously, we don't have the, the All-22 tape right now, so it's very difficult to be able to see what's going on in the secondary. But a couple times where you did see some tests, you know, did show uh, you know pretty good hip fluidity, pretty good burst and acceleration in closing on guys. But obviously, we, we still need to look at a whole lot more tape to be able to tell what's going on with him. 
Yeah, although, you know, he did hear his name called on the punt right before the Jacksonville's final drive for a holding penalty. So, yep. uh, good to see him on special teams. I mean, I think he could definitely contribute um, to Jacksonville on special teams. He's such an athlete, but, you know, you don't want to hear your name called in that situation. No, you certainly don't. So uh, that is pretty much all the time that we have for the day, though. Uh, we do have a pretty full week as we are now into the NFL season as well as the college football season. So stick with us this week. We're, we're all jammed up. We got a full schedule for you. We're going to be going through a whole lot of games and then previewing what we got coming up next week. Make sure that you stick around. If you're not subscribed to us already on iTunes, go over to iTunes, look for the Quick Kicks podcast, Hit that subscribe button and give us a review. We'd really appreciate it if you gave us a quick review. It helps move us up the list so that we continue our world domination. That is how we roll here at Inside the Pylon. Mark, done for the day, but we're back tomorrow, huh? Back tomorrow. It's full schedule now, you know, all the way till the draft. So here we go. Old Teddy Bruski saying, full tilt, full time. That is where we are today. We're back tomorrow on the Quick Kicks podcast, and we will see you then. Yeah.